We're reading from Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 9. Uh, If you have got a pew Bible, it's on page 1198. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who is a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, Grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I encourage you to keep that passage open as we dig into it together. And let me take a moment to get organised. Let's pray and ask God for help as we look at this part of his word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this part of your word that contrasts Adam and Jesus. And we pray that you would help us to understand all that you have done for us in the Lord Jesus and to grow in our trust in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's uh, just under two weeks now until the coronation of King Charles. Uh, For the first time in 70 years, a new monarch is going to be crowned and we will have a new king. Charles is going to be king over Britain, over the nations of the Commonwealth, and over us. Nowadays, the office of king is largely symbolic. You know, we live in a constitutional monarchy. We have a parliament that makes our decisions. But the king is still technically our head of state. And as our king, Charles could make decisions which affect us. The reality is that we didn't choose Charles. And don't comment there on whether you would. 
Uh, we don't have a say in the decisions that we make, that he makes, but he is our king and we live under his rule. This morning we're going to see in Romans 5 two completely opposite rulers that we can live under. We can live under the reign of sin and death through Adam or we can see God's gracious offer to reign in life under our true King Jesus. The reality is, like King Charles, we don't get a say in the decisions of our king. But we're going to see from Romans 5 we can choose which king we will live under. This morning we're kicking off term two out of our three-term series through Romans. This ancient letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome just a couple of decades after Jesus' death and resurrection. After the challenges that they're facing, uh, amidst the challenges they're facing as the followers of Jesus in a hostile culture, Paul wants to remind them and us of God's life-changing gospel. That's the good news about Jesus, that it is the power of God that brings salvation to all who believe. Last term, we saw how God makes us right through Christ. We saw how sinful we all are, whether we're religious or not. We saw how righteous God is, whether we recognise him or not. We saw how God graciously justifies us. Remember, he righteousifies us by the blood of Jesus if we receive the gift of God by faith. He even used the Old Testament example of Abraham to show us how God has always saved sinful people by faith, not by anything that we do. At the end of the last term, we we paused on our hard run through Romans to stop and enjoy the view, to take in and marvel at what God has done for us in Jesus, to enjoy all that we have in the gospel. Remember, we saw it in the first part of Romans 5. We have peace with God. We are reconciled to him. We stand in his grace. We have hope even in the midst of suffering. We have assurance that we are loved for sure and saved for sure. And so we rejoice for sure in the gospel. But that's where we run into a problem. You see, it's great to say we're justified through Christ. But our lived experience, it is still sin and death. Every morning when I look in the mirror, a sinner stares back at me. Every day I still struggle with sin. It still reels its ugly head. And the reality of the consequence of death still hangs over us, even on the brightest days of our lives. See, the world is a place that seems dark and deadly, and it's easy for our lived experience of sin and death to cast a shadow of doubt on our hope and joy about being reconciled with God. How can we be sure? And so this term in Romans 5, chapter 5 to 11, Paul wants us to see how this gospel that makes us right through Christ also transforms our lived experience of the Christian life. We are made alive in Christ. So even in the midst of our day-to-day experience with sin and death, we can live with confidence and assurance because of what Jesus has done for us. And the foundation for this new life in Christ is what we're going to look at today in the second half of chapter 5, where Paul contrasts two different reigns so that we again see the incredible assurance that is ours 
in the gospel. We'll see that this morning. Paul unpacks for us the reign of death, the reign of the living, and confronts us with whether we are reigned over by death or reigning in life. Paul starts with the bad news. Through Adam, we are all under the reign of death. See there in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. It's like Paul's anticipating our questions here. Okay, Paul, this you know, reconciliation, this hope, this assurance, that sounds great, but what about the ongoing problem of sin? How can you be so hopeful, Paul, with the grim reaper of death that still hangs over each of us? How can just the one obedient life of Jesus really deal with the countless disobedient lives of all of us, me included? And so Paul takes us right back to the beginning, to the fall of humanity, to Adam, and to the chain reaction behind the meltdown of human history. Notice three steps here. Sin entered the world through one man. Death came through sin. Death spread to all men. And why did death spread to all? Because in Adam, all sinned. So let's have a look. Step one, sin entered. See, sin didn't come sneaking in through the back door. It came into the world through one man, Adam. He was the father of all humanity, God's appointed ruler who was to fill and subdue all the earth, the representative and ruler of all mankind. But by disobeying God's command to not eat from the tree, Adam invited sin right in through the front door. Maybe Adam thought that he could master this power, that he could be like God. But the enslaving power of sin immediately mastered him. With the result, the death followed. That's step two. God did what he said he would do. He expelled the man and the woman from the source of his life. By rejecting God, they rejected the, the source of all life and all good. And so he cut off mankind from the life-giving relationship with him in the garden. And as the power of sin came charging into the world, death came riding on its coattails as a consequence. Some people say that death is just a natural part of life. But that's not true. There is nothing good or God-given about death. It is an unnatural, unforgiving and unwelcome guest in the world. And we feel that, don't we? When someone we love dies and we feel the disconnect of how unnatural and strange that is. When we go to a funeral and we feel the grief and sadness of this intruder in God's world, we feel how death just isn't right. But the reality of sin means that death now reigned over all because all sinned. See, everyone dies because everyone is under the rule and power of sin. We are not good people who occasionally stuff up by sinning. When Paul says all sinned, in the original language, it's clear he's talking about a one-off in the past, not the sin we keep on doing. He's not just saying that we all sin by doing bad things like Adam did. It is not just that we follow Adam's bad example, although we do. 
Paul's saying that in Adam, all of us sinned. This is where we get the doctrine called original sin. When Adam sinned, we all sinned because he's our head, our representative, our king. He's the one who's meant to rule over all creation. He is the representative of the human race. Like Charles is about to reign over us as our king, whether we like it or not. We didn't choose Adam, but he is the one God chose to be our representative. Paul's saying that what is true of Adam is true of us. Adam sinned, so Adam died. And in Adam, the rest of us sinned, and so the rest of us come under the power of death. Now, this sounds weird to us in our Western culture. We can't stand the idea of other people making decisions for us. But, but our system of government actually relies on it, if you think about it. For example, whether you voted for him or not, Anthony Albanese is your Prime Minister. And the decisions that he makes affect every one of us. Just imagine for me... For a moment, you're going to have to do the willing suspension of disbelief. Imagine for a moment that Anthony Albanese declares war on the United Kingdom and against King Charles. If he declares war, you and I are at war. As Australians, that's true. In fact, if our PM declares that we are in rebellion against the king, then we are all in rebellion against the king. And that's what Adam does. As our head, as our representative, he declares a rebellion against God's rule as our king. Now, before we get too critical of Adam, before we think that we could have done much better if we were there, we need to realise that Adam was in a perfect garden. He was made by God in his image, made to be our representative. He walked with God in the garden. If we think that we'd do any better, we're kidding ourselves. We would have made the same decision. In Adam's sin, we sinned. And this means that we're not just sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Sin is ingrained in all of us, in every part of us. It's part of our nature since we were born. I was amazed when my kids were really little how I didn't need to teach them to be selfish. I didn't need to sit them down and say, I'm going to explain to you how to argue with your mum and dad. I didn't need to say, let me demonstrate how you give a throw a tantrum. They just knew. They just did those things. See, sin has a hold on us even from the moment that we're born. Because in Adam, we are all under the power of sin. Paul keeps going in verse 13. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Now, let's not get too distracted by Paul's mention of the law of Moses here. Paul's saying that, Paul is not saying that sin wasn't a problem before the law came along. Just remember the first three chapters of Romans. We are all under the power of sin. But the law does highlight sin more clearly. It makes our sin explicit. 
Uh, I want you to imagine, imagine I go over into my neighbour's yard and I start cutting down trees that were just annoying me a little bit. That would be wrong, wouldn't it? You know it, I know it, we all know it. But if my neighbour said to me explicitly, Josh, I'm really carefully growing those trees next to your fence there. Would you mind just uh, leaving them alone? And then I go into a yard and cut the trees down. That's worse, right? It's making the wrong that I'm doing explicit. It makes it worse. And Paul's anticipating how the Jews might react here. They might ask, what about the coming of the law to Israel? Didn't that change anything? And Paul says, yes. The law highlighted sin in a way that not seen before then. But he quickly goes back to his main point. Verse 14. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. See, Paul's making the same point again. Death reigned. Ever since Adam, humanity has lived under the reign of death. Whether or not we broke a specific command, like Adam who broke that one command in the garden, or Israel who broke all ten of the commands back at the base of the mountain, we are all under the power of sin. We all live under the reign of death. We don't get to choose this. By birthright, all humanity is under the power of sin in the reign of death. All of us, religious or not religious, good people or not good people, Jews and Gentiles, young and old, we are all under the reign of death in Adam. And we back it up with our own sin too. So what is the solution? If we're under the power of sin and the reign of death because of the decision of a representative, how can we be saved? We need a better representative. A better head. See, the first Adam brought the reign of death, but the second Adam brings the reign of the living. Verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through the one man's trespass, how much more had the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many? Paul starts on this huge chain of from the lesser to the greater arguments here. And it's like me saying, look, if I wouldn't trust my kids to ride their bikes on the road, I definitely won't let them drive my car. <laughs> See? Paul's putting side by side the results of Adam's sin and the gift of God's grace to us in Jesus. And these things are incomparable. If one man's sin can bring death to all mankind, how much better is the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of Jesus that abounds to many? If we thought what we did was bad, how much better is what God has done in Jesus? If we dreaded the reign we're under because of that first Adam, how much more are we liberated under the new management of the second Adam? Because the overflow of grace is clearly far more powerful than the spreading of death. Paul's showing us here how the gift of righteousness is not like the trespass. Death came to all men because in Adam we all sinned. But grace overflows to the many because in Jesus God gives us his righteousness. Verse 16. 
And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Condemnation and justification, they're incomparable because while just one sin brought down the whole house in judgment, justification is God's gift after a whole stack of our sins. One sin did massive damage, but the free gift in Jesus can undo all of that damage. God's gift and God's grace is beyond comparison with the power of sin. But there's a twist here, verse 17. For if because of that one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. See, because of the sin of Adam, death reigned. And we would kind of expect here Paul to contrast the reign of death with the reign of life, right? But that's not how he puts it. Death reigned through Adam. But how much better is it that those who receive the gift will reign in life? In Adam, death reigned over you and I. But in Jesus, how much more will you and I reign in life? See, the opposite of the reign of death is the reign of Christians. The reign of death replaced with the reign of the living. We're going to see what this means over the next few chapters. See, before we were slaves to the power of sin, but now we've been set free from living under the rule of sin to live in righteousness. We have a sure and certain hope for the future, even in suffering because of the work of God's spirit in us. And this doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want. We live under the rule of our King Jesus. But in him, we are all heirs of God's promises and we reign with him in life. In Christ, as Abraham's children, as Paul told us in Romans 4, we are now the heirs of the world. Verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. But Paul switches to a one-to-many argument and the blessing that that is. See, one act by our representative head has consequences for many. Remember, we talked about this before, our Prime Minister declaring a rebellion against King Charles. And we didn't get a say, but it would have far-reaching consequences for us. But thanks be to God that our justification and life doesn't depend on what we do, what we have done or will do. It depends on that one righteous, obedient act of our new representative head, Jesus. What is the righteous act of Jesus Paul's talking about here? What's well, his obedience or life, sometimes called his active obedience, and active obedience and his obedient death often call this passive obedience. Jesus obeyed for us. Through his obedience, we can have justification and life. Through his obedience, we can be righteousified, declared right with God so that we can enjoy peace and grace and reconciliation. 
We have it all through Jesus, our new representative head. Which brings us to our final verses and our last point. Will we be reigned over or will we be reigning? Look at the first part of verse 20. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. Paul just brings up the law again for a moment. And we're going to hear more about that when we get to chapter 7. But remember for now that we saw before that in the the absence of the law didn't make people innocent. Sin was still in the world and death still reigned. But the law makes sin more explicit. It increases the trespass. It makes guilty people even more obviously guilty. But there's good news. See the rest of verse 20. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is great news. You can't out-sin God's grace. Where sin increases, grace abounds. In the, in the original language, it's literally super increases. <laughs> this is a great comfort to us in our lived reality of sin and death. You see, I want to say to you, the longer that you go on following Jesus, the more that you will see how much of a sinner you are. See, as we grow as followers of Jesus, we see more and more God's character, his love, his commands. We get to know him better, but we also get to know ourselves. We see more clearly our own character, our own sinful hearts. As we follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he reveals his revealing light into more and more of the dark crevices of our sinful hearts. And as we see more and more clearly the goodness of the God who has called us in Jesus, we see in higher and higher definition the sin that runs deep in our own hearts. But where our sin increases, God's grace super increases. As old Puritan Richard Sibbs put it, there is more grace in Jesus than there is sin in me. Or as we sing together, and we will sing soon, my sins they are many. His mercy is more. Paul's laid out for us two reigns here. Through Adam, sin came into the world and all of us came under the reign of death. Adam's one trespass led to death for all. His trespass led to condemnation. Through his trespass, death reigned. But through the second Adam, Jesus... Our new representative head, the grace of God and the free gift of grace abounds to many. In the face of our many trespasses, his free gift brings us justification. If we receive that gift, we are not under the reign of death, but we reign in life. Through Jesus' obedience, many are made righteous. So what do we do with this? Well, first, I want to say, if you're someone who is not yet trusted in Jesus, if you're not yet a believer, I want to say to you, come under the reign of King Jesus. How? Simply accept his gift of grace by faith. We don't get a say about being ruled by King Charles, but we can receive the free gift of God in Jesus. We can receive it by trusting him. So repent and believe the good news. 
that you can reign with Christ rather than being reigned over by death in sin. Receive that gift today. Come chat to me if you want to know more. I want to say second, if you've already put your faith in Jesus Christ, then we need to see the world the way that Paul is showing us that it really is. Ultimately, there are only two categories of people. Those categories are not Jew or Gentile, not liberal or labourer, not woke or hard right, not male, not female, not insiders or out. There is only those in Adam and those who are in Christ. Those in Adam who are under the reign of death and those who reign in life in Jesus. That's all, the only two options. There's no third way out, no grey area, no other category. This isn't to make us feel guilty. This is so that we can see. See ourselves for who we really are now in Christ, even when our lived experience feels different. And about seeing the true state of others who are around us who don't yet trust in Jesus. See, Paul is saying that our eternity hangs on which group we are in. And so if we understand this passage, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for our neighbours and our co-workers and our family and our friends because we want them to receive the, God's free gift of grace. We want them to move from the reign of death to be reigning in life in Christ Jesus. Everyone you meet is in one of these two groups. Everyone you meet is under one reign or the other. Let's not lose sight of this. Let's not miss the gospel urgency that this should give us. Urgency to see people around us who are under the reign of death find life in Jesus. Urgency to reach them with the gospel. An urgency that's got to start with us praying for them. And third, I want to say, let's give thanks. Let's give thanks to God for his amazing grace that super increases and overflows to many who trust in Christ and come under his reign. Let's give thanks to God that although we could never deal with our sin on our own, he has given us a new representative head. Let's give thanks to God that through Jesus we are no longer under the reign of death, but we reign with him in life. Let's give thanks to God that where our sin increased, his grace abounded all the more. Let's give thanks because his mercy is more. Why don't we do that now? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage. We thank you that although we are all under the reign of death in Adam, you have graciously provided a new representative head for us in Jesus. Thank you that in him we can receive the gift of your life, of grace and justification and eternal life. Father, we ask that you would work in the hearts of those who aren't yet under the reign of Jesus to have life. That you would bring them to faith in him. We ask that you would cultivate in us thankful hearts that praise you for your great grace and mercy that abounds even more than our sin. And we ask, Lord, that in the midst of our lived experience of sin and death this week, that we would be reminded of King Jesus, 
and all that he's done for us. And the fact that because of him, we reign with him in life. Please work these things in our hearts this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.